0: Oh, we're just so very proud, and, and you know, it's, they play good football, and, and it means they've got a good coaching staff. You got players that want to be good. Uh, they got good leadership, and this team is continuing to get better each and every week, and, and that says something about the whole organization, too. So I'm real proud of uh, Shane and what he's put together here, and I look forward to seeing how far they can go. Uh, how much better they can get, and what's going to happen in the future. That, of course, the voice of legendary coach Frank Beamer, taken right after South Carolina's big win in the Dukes-Mayo Ball by our good buddy and colleague Mike Yuva down there on the field. And, of course, this is GC Live. little special time today, 1230. Appreciate everybody joining us on this New Year's Eve. I'm Wes Mitchell. He is Chris Clark. And, uh, Chris, So, so many great – storylines to get into with this game so many you know the like like you just saw Frank Beamer's reaction to his son obviously proud moment there uh the Mayo Bath has been a excellent side storyline um just what this game means what this win could mean for South Carolina as far as momentum goes as far as recruiting in the state of North Carolina so so many different storylines that we could hit on in today's show but i want to start with the actual game itself and then we'll sort of expand out from there. First of all, before we get to that, we got to tell you about our good money our good buddy Clint Hammond of the Mortgage Network. He is our presenting sponsor right here on GC Live. clinthammond.com, 803-771-6933 is how you can get in touch with Clint if you're in the market for a new home or maybe you just want to refinance, see what options you have out there. Clint is your guy. Uh what a great day for the gamecocks yesterday, Chris. I mean, I don't really know if you could have scripted it much better. But uh, again, before we get into all of what it means, let's dive in on the actual game. What were you thinking as you were watching it play out? And what was sort of your first thought after the the clock hits zero and South Carolina is crowned Duke's Mayo Bowl champs with a, a seven win winning season in year one for Shane Beamer?
1: Well, and, and I will try to keep it specific to the game because my first thought was probably a little bit more broad than that. Uh, you know, throughout the game and when the, when the clock hit zero, you know, it was just kind of wow. And, and I texted – I know I texted you this yesterday, Wes, and a couple others jokingly that my, my primary kind of emotion watching the game was confusion <laughs> because – but seriously, I mean, this – the way the team came out and played yesterday from top to bottom um, – they could have put 50 on North Carolina like if they would have played a little bit better. But they played an outstanding game from top to bottom, offensively, defensively. They just made all the plays that North Carolina didn't, and they kind of imposed their will. When you look at the rushing totals that South Carolina put up in this game, what a performance on the ground, whether it was blocking. The running backs were outstanding. The way they schemed up, the running game was really good. Obviously, the wrinkle of having to carry on Joiner play significant snaps Um, at quarterback was obviously something that was masterful, and he and Zeb Nolan played a masterful game. So I think South Carolina just played its most complete game of the year. That was – you looked at that game, and I think that was the type of team that Shane Beamer envisioned having at South Carolina. And so it it came together all on the field yesterday.
0: It it did, man. And I I think um, to me – I was sitting there thinking going into this game and I you know fully admit I I didn't pick South Carolina to win the game and I was thinking this just feels different than past bowl performances than past recent bowl performances and certainly different than past trips to that stadium uh you know I've, obviously we talked Chris how the fan base has been a little bit stung by trips to Bank of America Stadium, and I will say this: kudos to the fan base because you know it, it was not a a packed house from a as far as like the entire stadium being packed, but as far as the Gamecock fans selling out their allotment, then buying some directly from the ball as well. South Carolina fans outnumbered North Carolina fans. The the crowd noise now certainly the Gamecocks had a lot more to cheer about, so that had something to do with it. But crowd noise. Heavily in South Carolina's favor. So, kudos to the Gamecock fans that made the trip on a Thursday, a random Thursday, 11.30 a.m. kickoff. For what it was, it was a really good crowd out there, man. I got to meet some of our Gamecock Central subscribers that I have not met in person before, so that was really cool. And, man, so Carolina comes out from the very start. And my thought process going into this game was even if Carolina doesn't win – if you're a fan out there, you just want to see them compete, right? You don't want it to feel like these other bowl games. And even you go back, the last game South Carolina had won uh, in postseason, that Outback Bowl, they got off to a very choppy, slow start in that game as well and had a big turnover, had some big plays. Brian Edwards goes up and makes a play. Rico Daddle makes a play. Shaw Smith makes a play. They have to come from behind. This is the first time I can remember in like a quote big game, South Carolina just coming out. And as far as bowl games go, you know, when was the last time we've seen them just look like the more prepared team, look like the more energetic team? Dude, Shane Beamer is over there when, when South Carolina put in that two-point conversion to go up 15 to nothing. I would have loved to have had it mic'd up with Shane Beamer, because it probably would have been some stuff we couldn't put on the air, because he was acting like it was a Super Bowl. And I don't, I don't say that as a negative thing. I say that to, like, he was trying to keep, you know, let's, let's keep this energy going. And it kind of felt like the early success for South Carolina just sort of snowballed as this game went on, and it, it was – just looking around, man, watching Gamecock fans with smiles on their faces and the relief—it felt very similar to what I saw looking around Williams-Brice in that Florida win, where everybody was like, "Oh wow, bowl games can be fun."
1: Yeah, it, it was definitely a fun day for for everybody in uh, in Gamecock country, no doubt. And the players look—that that starts at the top. And we talked about this storyline before, Wes, and that some people have even Gamecock fans even have criticized Shane Bieber. Why is he so positive all the time? Well. I mean, what what a difference a year makes. Th- think back to this time last year. The team had won two games. It was, and, and a lot of it, a lot of it was to be fair, is just because the team had just won two games in the year before. They won four games, and you're going through COVID. But this team was beat down. I mean, anybody who covers this program, is close to the program, could tell you that. Beat down, and that's not even. I mean, that really doesn't even cover it, right? Fast forward a year, this team has surpassed expectations. They've won seven games. Now we're getting into that more, you know, generalized territory that we were supposed to stay away from. But the point is taking it, it, like zooming back into the game, you know, they were confident coming into this game. And that was after facing some adversity. Remember the last show was the preview show. You're missing your two best players, one on each side of the ball. It's like White, JJ, and You're missing Cam Smith. You're down a coach. You've had uncertainty going on throughout the week. Uh, You're down other players that have already been injured, opt-outs, all these different things. And they came out, they were confident, they were more prepared, and their confidence continued to gain throughout the game. They got some good early results in that game. You think about uh, the third and four uh, on on an early drive for North Carolina. They come away with a sack, right? They go and they score early. They get the two-point conversion. And the thing that really stood out is they grew in confidence. And Shane Beamer and his coaching staff, they kept their foot on the gas. They never acted like the game was in hand. They were able to do pretty much what they wanted offensively. And then defensively, Clayton White, he kept it pretty aggressive, west throughout throughout the rest of the game. And I think that was one of the biggest things. That, there were two main keys we really talked about going into this game. South Carolina had to run the football. That test was passed with flying colors. And they were gonna to have to find a way to make sure that they could, you know, hit North Carolina in the arrow of their Achilles heel, which is protecting Sam Howell. They passed that test too because they were able to affect Sam Howell all day.
0: Well, I, I looked at this game and you know, so so Mackenzie, my girlfriend, after the game or riding back, she's like, Did did you think South Carolina was gonna win the game? And I was like, you know, admittedly, no, I did not. Um, I was like, but the game played out exactly the way. If, if I was going to write a script for how South Carolina could win the game, like what needed to happen, it was the absolute perfect script for for like check mark, check mark. You know, Kevin Harris. We we talked about Kevin Harris. He needs to have a big game. He has his be- his best game of the year. Um, I when when I sort of go through games in my head going in, I try to think about all the possibilities. As much as I went over this game in my head. I kept going back to North Carolina's ability to run the football and thinking even if Carolina does hit them, even if South Carolina hits North Carolina with something different on offense, has some extra success, can the Gamecocks stop the run? This is a North Carolina team that comes in basically the best rushing attack statistically in their conference. And It's been a little bit, rightfully so, I would say, it's a little bit lost in the shuffle just how well South Carolina did with just keeping the Tar Heels from taking over the game offensively. That wasn't the story of the game, in my opinion. The story of the game has to be South Carolina's offense. But a huge factor in the game was the fact that Carolina was able to do that. And I want to get a little bit into the scheme defensively later on if we have time. But I feel like we can't go – we're at the 12-minute mark. We cannot go any further without talking about the offense, the output. I put it on Twitter, and I said, "Who who's your MVP? Is it to carry on Joyner? Which, um, wow, talk talk about providing a spark and talk about a storybook day for him, man. Talk about just embodying what it means to be a team guy and doing what's best for the team but then stepping up when you have an opportunity, a couple of stats. I know y'all all know them by now, probably, but nine for nine passing, 160 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions, 10 carries for 64 yards. And I would say just as big as those 64 yards were the threat of him to run the football, North Carolina, having to sort of, uh, you know, apply their defense to where they're, they're aware that he could run the football. So I put it out there, is it Joyner? Is it Kevin Harris, who rushed 31 times? To be honest, I didn't realize he ran the ball 31 times until this exact moment. I knew he had a huge day. 182 yards, long of 38, one touchdown, of course. Is it Jaheem Bell, who helped spark the whole thing with five catches, 159 yards, two touchdowns. Also had, what, three carries, 21 yards, including one big one right off the bat. The fact that we even have to have a discussion about who's the MVP on offense and the fact that Josh Van isn't part of it, which nothing against Josh Van, it's that they did it without him having to have a big day is my point. I agree 100% with Joyner as the MVP because I think he sparked all the other things that happened. But Chris, the fact that we're even having to have any type of debate that three guys – had that big of a day, and that's not even to mention Amarian Brown stepping up, um, offensive line having a great day, Juju McDowell um, having big plays. It, it was across the board.
1: It was, and I mean, Zeb Nolan played an excellent game as well in you know, administering the offense. So you could go a lot of different directions, and um, I, I think the staff put together you, – you do have to give credit, Wes, and we've certainly on this show – Talked about some of the the problems and the issues. I think I, I think you've got to give the staff a lot of credit, you know, for the for the game plan that they put together, and the players definitely executed it. But Joiner has to be the MVP. I mean, he came up so big for this team. um And one of our I, I missed who it was SC scout guy Matt Brown said that when Joiner went out there for quarter, you know, to play quarterback, they had to throw out their game plan, and that basically was was the case. Wes, like you said, it was the threat of the run. Joiner, obviously, you know, the staff opened things up. They let him throw it, which we've kind of been wondering all year. If you're going to put him out there, let him throw it. You mentioned it last week, Wes, kind of high school offense. And maybe it wasn't that simple, maybe at times. At times it was. But you saw early throws the dime to Jaheim Bell, who, by the way, ran past a former five star corner on that deep post route. An
0: absolute stud in Grimes, right?
1: Yeah, Tony Grimes. Great throw. Um, You know, stood in there threw the ball, um, and executed the offense masterfully and the threat of the run. You know, um, He was able to move around and navigate the pocket at times, throw on the run. He had two huge third down runs late in that game. This was a turning – not a turning point, a potential turning point in the game, Wes. I think I texted you on this one. In the fourth quarter, and Lou Antonelli, our our buddy, mentioned this in the chat earlier, the Primal Gourmet chat line, North Carolina – had answered with a touchdown. South Carolina then had to punt. So now UNC's down 11. They're down two scores, and you're sitting there going, is this it? Is Does North Carolina come back here? Well, South Carolina forces a very short drive. I think UNC gained about six yards. They get the ball back. Joiner comes down, I think has a, a third and five, runs for six. They go down, they score. Later in the game, four minutes or so left. You got a third and six, I think Joiner runs for 11, you know, and and that was on a play. You had Brown coming across on a sweep, you know, a fake jet sweep. And so there was some conflicting stuff there for the defense and Joiner because he's good and open field ran it. So he, he definitely has to be the MVP and it was a huge, huge part of that game offensively in terms of why they had so much success.
0: Yeah, no doubt, man. And, uh, Good, good job by South that, – that's the, that's the best offensive game plan of the year, bar none in my opinion. Great game plan. It was executed. North Carolina has struggled with quarterbacks who can run the football defensively. They struggled defensively all the way around, and we talked about it going in, how South Carolina's going to have to do something against the grain a little bit to give themselves a chance, and that's exactly what they did. We also mentioned this need needed to look like what people think of when they think of SEC versus ACC. And we talked about how that has not always played out, you know, directly the way us SEC folks think the narrative should be, and that's that an SEC team should have the advantage on the lines of scrimmage. And South Carolina absolutely had the advantage. I think, you know, your point about getting to Sam Howell 100% played out. But then the other side of that was South Carolina being able to be good on first down, be good on second down, putting North Carolina in those situations where they could then go try to get Sam Howell and and rush the passer and feel comfortable doing it. Too many times this year, we've seen South Carolina defensively be up against third and one, third and two, third and three. We've seen them offensively. Let's think back to some of the games they've really struggled when you're getting stopped on first down for little to no or even negative yardage more times than not, you're in second and 10, second and 11. And then that lends itself to being in third and eight. And it just, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I, I believe when I go back and really go through this game, I'm going to see that South Carolina was in third and less than five a lot. And that North Carolina had put itself in, in situations, uh, because of the play of South Carolina's defense, to where they had to throw the football on third downs. And part of that, like you mentioned, defensive game plan, early on, Carolina was in true man-press defense a ton. They were saying, even with Cam Smith out, they said, we're going to dare you to beat us one in one-on-one situations with one safety deep. At times, they even said, Forget the safety. We're just, we're going cover zero. But I I'll give credit, first of all, Darius Rush. What a finish to the year for him, man. I'm I'm feeling even better about my walking out on the limb that Darius Rush is going to end up being an NFL a surprise NFL player. He's going to play in the league. And let let's throw some love at some guys who maybe don't get it as much. Collins Platel. I watched him quite a bit against. North Carolina slot receivers, if you look at North Carolina's layout on offense, Josh Downs is their best receiver. They've really struggled otherwise to get separation. And South Carolina sort of went out there and said, we're going to just dare you to beat us in man coverage. And that allowed them to be a little more aggressive, I think, in the box. And even without Cam Smith, you look at Carlin Splatel at nickel. Darius Rush and Marcellus Dial outside at cornerback, they did what they needed to do for South Carolina to win this game.
1: Yeah, th- they were really, really good, man. And um, that's the point I was going to make is that this North Carolina offense has explosive potential. Uh, we we saw South Carolina really, really limit North Carolina's explosives. Those can be backbreaking. You get in a, you finally get a team in a third down situation and they they break your back with a long touchdown catch a long touchdown run north carolina has that type of potential with sam howell with downs some of the guys that they've got they were early on man they really did a great job limiting downs they finally got him in some situations later where they started having some success with him. they gave the long touchdown run up right but other than that there wasn't much there i know sam howell had the one great throw to i think it was antoine green kind of fading away to the sideline, great throw. That's the type of throw that he can make all day. Other than that, um, there were other deep shots that didn't connect. I mean, talk about Darius Rush, that play that's been replayed on social media over and over, that leaping, you know, knocking away the ball, an amazing play and outstanding coverage. If you watch his technique at the beginning of the play, that's what gets missed in terms of him putting himself in position man-on-man you know, to make that play. Uh, Isaiah Norris had to come in when Darius got a cramp. Jalen Foster, Dr. Jalen Foster over there uh, get, getting the, the uh, cramp massage going, but Darius came out for a bit. Enter Isaiah Norris, who's been, you know, first-year player who hasn't done – hasn't really played this year. So they, they did an outstanding job, and I think it started up front with how they scheme things, how they are able to get after Howell, but there were some coverage sacks in this game which really, really stood out.
0: Yeah, look, looking at the, the sack numbers, man, uh, we, we talked about the, the two Jordans, right? Jordan Strong actually got credited with a sack and a half. Jabari Ellis got a sack. Zach Pickens got a half of a sack. Um, there was an early play where I saw Alex Huntley in the backfield making a tackle for loss. Um, he looked as excited and pumped up to be on the field as anybody, which was, was really cool to see him. Starting, I feel like Alex Huntley's one of those guys that's quietly getting comfortable at this level, kind of is in a position to springboard himself into playing a lot more next year. I feel like maybe I got a circle going into this offseason, but there was kind of a lot of that, in my opinion. Some guys that have kind of either played reserve roles or, you know, Isaiah Norris, I don't think he saw the field at all until special teams, maybe Missouri. Like at one, he popped up on special teams way into the latter part of the year. I think it was Missouri, may have been Florida, but it, it was basically late late in the year he popped up on special teams, but it, it's kind of like you started to see some guys without Zaquandre White on offense, without J.J. Anabari on defense. The whole next man up cliche, it is a cliche, but when, when it plays out like that, when guys take advantage and step up, it's just really fun to see, really cool to see some hard work by all these guys starting to pay off with, with results. And I, I go back to, to that, to that Florida game. This, this just felt similar to me to that game in just Carolina playing a complete football game. And, um, you know, it, when some things went against them, they, they just kept playing. Like you said, I, I think you would almost rather from a Gamecock perspective, you never want to give up explosive plays. Right. But, there, there was the the trick play, where North Carolina got them on it. You know what? You just say, look, they got us. Then there was the long run. I think it was a 60, was it 60 yards, 63 yards, I think. Um, That's right. You had the long run, but when you talk about explosive plays, I think you'd almost rather give up the the one long one and just sort of be like, all right, they got us on that one. Then you would, it be explosive plays where they're getting like 10, 10, 10, 12, 8, 50. You know what I mean? Where they're just getting explosive after explosive after explosive. Um, because when you give up the one run, it skews the stats a little bit. But even even with the, now this, this is with the sack totals in there as well. So it, it skews it back the other way. 29 carries for North Carolina for 128 yards overall. That's 4.4 yards per carry but essentially half of their yardage on the ground was on the one long run so that means you know again you add up you add back in some yardage that was taken off by Sam Howell sacks but still throughout the course of the game that means your defense was for the most part doing its job and i think it's a complete effort when when it's that successful that means your front, your linebackers, and your secondary were all chipping in.
1: Yeah, and and it's a great point about the long explosives. You know, it just showed that North Carolina wasn't having significant success in going up and down the field. You, you don't want to give up long touchdowns, right? Especially when you played well throughout the game. But South Carolina limited those, and a couple of them just happened to be scoring plays. You had the long run, and the one that kind of almost I chuckled at was. During the game, they had the trick play touchdown during the game, and that was the one that cut it. I think to eleven, is that right, Wes? And I so think that's right. I, I was sitting there going, you know, it reminded me of the ECU game uh, at that point because you remember Clayton White even even told the anecdote of the players came off the sideline, and that was actually instead of hanging their heads, that was a confidence builder for them because they said, well, if they've got to trick us to score then we're going to be okay. So they ran the trick play. They did score on it. South Carolina, I think, has to go and punt after that, and that's that potential hinge point I was talking about earlier in the game. Then South Carolina goes out next drive and gets a stop, right? Just shuts down North Carolina completely. So that kind of made me think back to that ECU example, and it does go to show that even though they did give up some explosive passing plays or you know, explosive scoring plays, rather, um they were li- they limited them throughout the game whether it was scoring or just UNC going up and down the field and getting chunk yardage and that was that was obviously a huge you know part of this defensive performance as well
0: yeah i, I just went and checked to to be uh sure that that cut it so that cut it to 32-21 exactly so 11 point game but from that point forward chris next drive four plays 6 yards um drive after that let's see hopefully i can mute uh, ESPN has the worst autoplay ads i've ever seen so um bear with me here four plays 6 yards next drive by north carolina six plays 6 yards um and then the next drive was that basically end of game situation where the, the game is completely over what what do you think of mac brown punning I know it was fourth and long. I think fourth and 16, maybe off the top of my head. What about the give up punt? That, <laughs> the that was a up give up punt, punt man.
1: It, it really was. And I don't, th- that's what I wasn't sure of. And, and I'll admit, I didn't get to watch Max. I feel unprepared. I didn't watch his complete per- post game presser. I did watch some of it. So I don't know if he addressed this, but. I was sitting there going, "Is this a give up? Is this the surrender punt, as you said, Wes? Or is it literally some strategy of, well, if 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 there's a lot of ifs in that, so it, it seems more what whatever the intention was, it surely seemed like a give up punt." And yeah, I, I fully I expected them to go for it there, and they didn't, and and once they didn't, you're like, all right, you know, you feel pretty good about South Carolina's chances there.
0: Well, and and I feel confident, Chris, saying South Carolina. After that, was going to be completely fine, just running out the clock and and winning the game by by fourteen. And then after all, the give up punt, North Carolina calls a timeout on the ensuing South Carolina drive, and it's like, well, yeah, now you kick the field goal and just make make it seventeen. But I I get I get you know yes, you're going to punt the ball back because if you if you go for it on the fourth and sixteen. Carolina has the ball in North Carolina territory. The game is over at that point. But, and I know fourth and 16 is not a high percentage deal by any means, but you have a guy like Sam Howell who can put the ball in tight windows, who can make throws for you. It's not like fourth and 16 never happens. People, teams convert fourth and 16, you know, it's not unheard of by any means. And may, maybe if this was a low-scoring game, I'd understand it a little bit more. And I think North Carolina was maybe even already down to two timeouts. If I'm, I, I'm don't quote me on that, but I think they were. So yeah, right. that made no sense to me, Chris. Like, if, if you're going to punt it back in that scenario, to me, it has to be a situation where my defense had been stopping the run that day with what Harris had done with Joyner catching them completely off guard as far as their game plan goes with what McDowell had done, just the the entirety of Carolina had North Carolina off balance all game. I've got to keep my offense on the field there that I have a hard time thinking there's any explanation that I can buy into thinking that that's a good decision. It just wasn't in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with you. You, you, you go with your strength there, and your strength has not been your defense all season, and it certainly had not been your strength in that football game. So there you're basically giving the ball back. You're saying, go get a stop. They had not shown that ability. They did not show that ability afterwards, and that basically sealed the deal. So either way is a dice roll. If I were Matt Brown, I'm, I'm rolling the dice with with taking my, my future NFL quarterback and that, and that offense that has been pretty explosive and pretty good all year and letting them go out there. But, you know, uh, another another good thing for the Gamecocks that happened in that game, most of their good fortune they made in that game. But I think that was that was something that certainly helped them in terms of sealing the deal late. And then when they got that opportunity, when North Carolina kind of gave them that surrender punt, they again went out and they were able to to execute and make the most of it too.
0: Doesn't it just feel like South Carolina was the aggressor in this game? Like, 100%. Th- throughout, I mean – the the two point conversion, the 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 fact that they were gonna they lined up in that two point look and ba- basically so in almost all scenarios like that you line up they're gonna look and if they have the look they want they're gonna run the two point conversion play if they don't have the look they they almost always have a quick call where they'll swing the line back over and then they'll just kick the extra point like normal and. South Carolina lines up in the two point look, has a false start after the first touchdown, gets backed up, so then naturally you kick the extra point. Then they score the second touchdown, and they say, "Screw it, we're going for two anyway." Yeah, and then they get it. I'm like, that that's a that's kind of a gutsy, just like, hey, we're we're here to to do what we plan to do, and we're more worried about us. We're not worried about y'all. Like, that, I I loved, I loved the message it sent. Bowl games are supposed to be fun for the guys. Is it a business trip? Some, Some coaches are, you know, this is a business trip. Of course you want to go win the game. But it felt to me, Chris, like South Carolina used their, I don't know how many weeks they practiced, two, three weeks. It all runs together, to be honest. But they, they used the extra practice time to get Joiner back involved at quarterback, to put in some trick plays. Uh, one of them got blown up, of course, but um, I actually loved that call too. And then to, to – I'm sure the guys knew, hey, first touchdown we score, we're going for two. And then it didn't work out the first time. They said, well, you know what, we're going for two anyway. I just love the message that sends to the team, and it felt to me just like when Beamer went for two, the very first touchdown of his head coaching career, the first game of the year uh, against Eastern.
1: Yeah, it, it definitely felt like that. Uh, sending a message, attempting to send that message, and being aggressive in the game. Shane Beamer has been pretty adamant with his words, but more you know, importantly, uh, the actions, because they speak louder than words, and that he does want to be aggressive. So we, we've seen that at times. Um, in some game situations, and this was definitely one of them. You know, North Carolina. I think both teams had some confidence, legitimately coming into this game. I didn't see a UNC team that just looked like it wasn't interested in being there. Um, I think they were, and I think there was a little halftime, you know, skirmish and talking um, going on. And I think North Carolina was confident, but South Carolina just came out with a a firm message of no, we're 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 going to come out and establish our will in this game, and they, they definitely did that. So that was a uh, that was very interesting to see, no doubt.
0: Yeah, just a, a fun game all the way around, and an aggressive game plan for South Carolina. And I, I thought, as we get a little bit deeper into the weeds of this game, then we're going to go outside of the game and, and what it means for the program. Some of the other guys, uh, obviously, we talked about Joiner. Jaheim Bell was amazing. That ki- that kid's going to play in the NFL, no doubt. I was sitting there watching him run the football the times that they got him the ball. Sort of I mean, they started the game by motioning him into the backfield, then uh, getting him the ball in that little sweep. If he didn't have such good ball skills, I would almost say Jaheem Bell need Jaheem Bell might be a starting running back in the SEC. He's kind of like, you know, and I, I don't watch a lot of NFL, but I understand the Niners are using Debo now as a running back at times. I with with no Kevin Harris next year, he of course made the announcement that we all had basically told our listeners and subscribers uh you know that was coming. He made the announcement he's gone the NFL. I'd actually love to see Jaheem Bell lined up in the backfield quite a bit more next year. I think that's a huge part of his skill set. You don't want to move him there full time because he does so many other things well, but man, this this guy is special. What Kevin Harris did in his final game Looked as healthy as he has all year. The line gave him room. to. He looked like 2020 Kevin Harris, which is what we thought he needed to look like for Carolina to go win this game. But man, the offensive line, really, really good. Um Amarian Brown has his biggest game since he got to South Carolina. That was how I thought we might see him used really throughout the year, throughout uh, his first year at South Carolina. Juju McDowell gets out in space. And then, even when North Carolina started to adjust, how about South Carolina's game plan, the complementary plays? Using the little Juju swing pass early on for, for success, but then using that as a decoy and then getting the ball down the field off of that. Um, it, it wasn't just the initial game plan. It sort of, I thought it built on itself which was, of course, I'm sure excellent for every fan to see.
1: Yeah, some RPO stuff in there, um, some different wrinkles, some, some plays that look the same, but then South Carolina was able to, like you said, come, come up with a, a wrinkle off of that play or just a different read off of the same play that really – they just kept North Carolina off kilter all day for sure. And so uh, the thing that stood out to me, man, about the running backs is, yes, they did have more room to run but i think they showed their talent level during the game yesterday because there were times where and this happens in every game to be clear uh, because the o-line did play well yesterday whether it's pass protection run blocking i thought they they played a a very good game uh, there are going to be times that you're going to have unblocked guys in your backfield when you take a handoff might not be right in front of you he might be pursuing from you know the side he might be running you down from the backside, but you're going to have guys in your backfield and what we saw was South Carolina's backs did a really good job of avoiding those guys and sometimes making a miss and then that was able to open up that second level for him and we saw some explosive runs so um, that really stood out to me as well and that that's a situation where that's talent at the running back position we talked about it going into this year how talented on paper South Carolina's running back room was you return Kevin Harris you have white you have Lloyd um you have Juju McDowell now obviously all of that for a variety of reasons didn't play out during the season but those guys you know and we we only saw Harris and McDowell yesterday but we know those guys have talent and can play and and I think they showed that yesterday
0: by the way we've gotten to this point in the show Chris without mentioning Parker White, officially the all-time scoring leader for South Carolina. What a great story. What a what a great job by that kid just hanging in there at the beginning of his career. What was not even the starter early in his career. And then some some of it due to the way he was used early in his career. You had you had some people Sort of like, hey, ready to move on from this guy. Find another option at kicker. And Parker White not only hangs in there to – doesn't just hang in there to become a solid kicker. Hangs in there to become really one of, if not the most consistent, accurate kicker that we've probably seen, uh, you know, certainly since we've been covering South Carolina, maybe even since I've been watching South Carolina as a kid. So. Kudos to him, man. Awesome career. You could tell that it, it meant something to the guys with the way they celebrated with Parker, you know, for, for him to get that record. And I, I was I was just glad to see it, it play out where there was an opportunity for him to go get it. And, of course, he takes advantage and goes three for three with field goals.
1: Yeah, and, and I think that was also indicative of, you know, I was thinking earlier, didn't get to this point, but – um yesterday's win I think was like a culture game. Like it was a culture win and you can, you can think back to some of South Carolina's wins this year where on paper. They were overmatched, you know, like if you just look, if you just took a sheet of paper and look, well, here's the talent of this team, here's the talent of this team. And so two great examples of that are Florida and Auburn. Both of those teams were kind of in a little bit of disarray. Things weren't going as well. Still plenty of talent on both teams. South South Carolina went out and beat them. They whooped Florida, right? Um they whooped North Carolina yesterday, despite North Carolina having some talent on that team, no doubt. And I think that was, you know, everybody's going to talk about culture in college football, but we've seen enough actual, tangible evidence of of what Shane Beamer is doing from that standpoint and what his players say about it to where you can feel comfortable if you're a GameCock fan saying that stuff's real. And there are instances in which that does help you on the field. And, and I think yesterday was one of those examples. Um, you know, Parker White, the way the team celebrated with him. Um, Spencer, for those of you who haven't seen it on social media, Spencer Eason-Riddle, what he said to the team in the locker room, Gamecock Football's Twitter account. How's that if you hadn't seen it? Stuff like that, you see it and you see how connected the guys have been. And that type of stuff does make a difference and can can help you get over the top in certain games. As you, the the other key part of it is, if you can match that Wes, with continuing to make the program better from a talent depth standpoint, that's when you can when you can really get something.
0: Yeah, and I, I want to talk about that here in a second. And along the same lines, Chris, I want to mention a guy that has not been talked about a ton as of late, but Luke Doty. Um, what was in the boot. Basically, kind of hobbled out there, headset on, quarterbacks come off, Luke Doty's right there greeting them on the sideline. Huddle before, you know, a drive, Luke Doty right up in there, involved in everything. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to name names or throw shade, but I have seen South Carolina quarterbacks in the past who were sort of not getting, you know, not it was not their time. Maybe they're down the sideline a little bit, just sort of hanging out. And to to me, with, with everything Luke has gone through this year, the initial injury, thinking he was going to be the guy, um, then you get hurt, then you come back, then you play hurt, then you sort of re-injure it, have to have surgery, then South Connor brings in a Heisman candidate at quarterback. That, that's a lot. That's a lot. It, it's part of it. I get it. It's completely part of it. But – I think worth mentioning that I watched Luke time after time be right there in the huddle or outside the huddle, soaking it all up and being as involved as possible, having that same energy, smile on his face. And I I think stuff like that is – it lines up right with what you're talking about. That's the type of approach that Shane Beamer and this coaching staff want to build as far as the foundation of this program – uh, moving forward. So yeah, I, I don't I don't think you know not every quarterback could handle their team bringing in Spencer Rattler, you know, and and seeing the reaction from the fan base to that. So kudos to Luke hanging in there, being who we all sort of have always known that he was. But just worth pointing out one more time. Uh, you know, just witnessing that on, on Thursday afternoon was really cool. Chris, let's go into the big picture here, though. A win over North Carolina. I understand you've been reaching out specifically to some North Carolina prospects. How do you think this maybe affects guys moving forward? Can can other programs, including South Carolina, start to chip away at that fence that Mac Brown, I won't just say has tried to build, He's had some success building this fence around the state of North Carolina. Can the Gamecocks start to chip away now?
1: Yeah, and, and I think this is going to be something that they can build on on the recruiting trail. Like th- This is how I answered it earlier. Somebody asked on the Insiders Forum on Gamecock Central about the recruiting implication. Is it going to be something that two or three guys in the transfer portal or in the 2022 class are going to look at it and say – all right, I saw that game. I'm signing up. You know, like it could be a factor in the decision. I don't think it's going to be something where you're just going to see this influx immediately. But what it, it does do is it can give you something that you can carry. First of all, I mean, imagine that. what's the difference, Wes, in, in this seven and six b- win w- bowl win over North Carolina. You're exercising the Charlotte demons. You're exercising the, the North Carolina demons. You're getting that stench out, Right and you go you have 8 months to kind of lick on this lollipop until next year. I mean that's that's good enough, right? But just from a like a general recruiting standpoint, now you can go out and sell this. Hey, in year 1, I or, you know, our program or whatever, however you're selling it if you're a coach, we won 7 games. We beat UNC, you know, with an NFL quarterback we overcame this we overcame this and then here's where we're going to go and so just some preliminary outreaches i've done to some prospects who are underclassmen in north carolina west they've seemed to be quite impressed with it south carolina's got you know a bunch of offers out in the 23 24 heck there's even a 2025 offer out in in north carolina i believe in charlotte and they're all saying hey this illustrates you know paraphrasing but this illustrates that the program is moving in the right direction And so while South Carolina is not selling, Hey, we just want a ring or something like that. You are showing trajectory in the program and it's not just this idea that's out there. It's not just a concept. It's here's, here's what happened in year one and and here's what we can do going forward.
0: Yeah. And and this thing, there's really not a whole lot of rest, you know, like it's, it's 1231, you know, right now it's about to be January one. If, If you look at the coach calendar, they may have a little time off before we know it. They're going to be hosting rising seniors and rising juniors and some rising sophomores on campus for these junior days. And I look at it like this, Chris. If it gets. Another 10 guys on your campus. You know, like you said, you're you're not going to just sign the guys, but if it. If it get it's a game of numbers. If if it gets ten additional guys on your campus, and they're all really good players, really good prospects, and you sign one of the ten that you wouldn't have signed in some alternate reality where you don't win this game, then that that's a success. Now we will never know specifically that it played out like that. There's no way to actually sort of quantify it, but. I know from a Gamecock perspective, it beats the heck out of the alternative, Um, which I I think you could have explained. If if South Carolina had lost this game, you could have explained it away. Look, um, you know, Beamer, I'm sure, would have said, hey, future is still bright. We overachieved, um, you know, beat Florida, beat Auburn. You got Spencer Rattler coming in. It would have been very simple to spin it forward. But now I think you get a little bit more of that national – attention a little bit more of that positive pub. You're not just bringing in Spencer Rattler. You're, you're building a foundation and you're bringing in Spencer Rattler.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. And I mean, the amount of positive publicity that South Carolina has gotten lately, they've really been able to build on that. You know, the, the Rattler thing really pointed people to, to Columbia and Oh, Spencer Rattler to South Carolina. What's going on there? Now, some people were, of course, predictably all negative about it or whatever, but Spencer Adler, he, he could have gone a lot of places, right? He chooses to go to South Carolina. That brings a lot of positive publicity. Then you go out, you win this bowl game. Shane Beamer, we, we covered this ear- earlier in the week, Wes, one of three coaches who's you know on the list of first-year head coaches, you know, first year at, at their particular school. Uh, the other two are veteran guys. Josh Heupel at Tennessee, who was at UCF before. Gus Malzahn, who's at UCF now and was at Auburn previously on that list and so you know you're you're in some good company there in terms of some coaches that have done some good things there's a lot positive to point to and now you, this just is just so much more ammunition for you to be able to use on the trail and carry it forward
0: certainly man so we, we've got a lot to talk about this offseason uh, it's always more fun frankly to talk about it when the rest of you guys are all excited and happy and and there's momentum i think you can feel you can feel the momentum in the program right now it, it feels just a little bit different to me it, it feels like there is a foundation being built and um man i i think it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to follow along you know with this ride a, as it goes forward uh, before we get too much further uh chris you want to tell everybody about dead soxie
1: absolutely check out dead soxie's awesome and extensive catalog of socks whether it's the college team theme socks uh for a bunch of different programs you probably are interested in some south carolina flavor go check those out or anything else at deadsoxy.com 25 percent off your entire order by using the promo code cocky that's c-o-c-k-y on deadsoxy.com
0: yeah appreciate the folks at DeadSocksy. appreciate our buddy clint hammond Appreciate our chat line sponsor, Primal Gourmet. Go check out PrimalGourmetSC.com. Chris, I know you were munching on some Primal Gourmet for lunch. Uh, I did the same. Um, Excellent to have their chef prepped meals uh, throughout the week. So we appreciate our our good friends at Primal Gourmet. Speaking of food, the Carry On Joyner said on stage after the game essentially, coach. You can have that when it comes to the mayo bath. Chris Clark, would you take the mayo bath for a dub? If it it meant your team, if you were a coach and it meant you were winning, you taking take in the mayo bath.
1: Oh, yeah, that's easy. Would any coach actually not take it? Like if they were like, no, I would rather my team lose. That's an insane concept to me.
0: I don't think they're taking the loss. Are, Are there some coaches out there? that if they had won would have been too big for the, like would have been too big time for the Mayo bath.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Probably so dude. I would. And, and so, yeah, if you're framing it that way, I would hundred percent take it.
0: Oh yeah. Is is Brian Kelly taking the Mayo bath?
1: <laughs> that was a great, I was trying to think of one and that's a great example. Just a I, wet, I can't see it. Just a wet blanket. Won't take the yeah, Mayo bath. It. He, you know, I don't know. He tried to dance the other day in the recruiting video. Yeah. Uh, Try. Try the operative word. Yeah. Uh, No, I would 100% take the Mayo bath. I would rather it be like a ranch. Is there, does Hidden Valley sponsor a bowl or anything? I would, I would like be really (laughs) trying to angle, push, push to get my team in the Hidden Valley ranch. Yeah. Yeah. I don't
0: think they do, but they should. Um,
1: Hey, if anybody from Hidden Valley is listening, let's go.
0: By the way, at, at the game, Dukes has this, I guess, motto or saying or something about um, the twang, like th- this mayo has twang. I think they're missing with that motto. Like when so? I think of mayo, I don't think of twang. By any that that doesn't fit. Like the taste of mayo doesn't taste like twang vinegar. Has twenty. Right. I don't think Mayo has twenty.
1: I think I think Dukes has a little bit more of. I don't know if you could describe it as vinegary because that would be too strong. It does have a little bit more flavor than your run of the mill, you know, Mayo, which I, I'm a fan of all all, all Mayo. You, you know, give me some regular Mayo, Chipotle Mayo, like I'm good with any of it.
0: Are you at all surprised that Colin Taylor is anti-Mayo?
1: N- not whatsoever. No, I, I would actually expect. <laughs> you know that he wouldn't like mayonnaise. Same, same.
0: Do we know his ranch take? I don't. We need, we need to find that out. Uh, he won't like it, of course. Yeah. Gamecock Ryan says dukes are bust. I agree. I mean it's it is duke's all the way for me. Mayo sandwich, little salt and pepper on or tomato sandwich with mayo, I should say. Little salt and pepper on the tomato. Chris says no because he doesn't like tomatoes, but nah,
1: tomato that sounds terrible.
0: Anyway, <laughs> that sounds <laughs> terrible. Oh man. Yeah, Greg Greg says they're referring to the acidity. Yeah, I mean I get it, but it just doesn't taste twangy to me. Anyway, if, if that's my only the duke's and the mayo bowl folks, they did an excellent job. So if that's my only complaint, they were even giving away free mayo at the end, Chris. So
1: pretty awesome. Cool. Did you get some? Did you find?
0: I did not. I did not. Colin um,
1: probably didn't get it. If Colin got one, I am gonna take it. Yeah, he, he might be using it, it like commemorative <laughs> mayo. I would just eat it. Yeah,
0: they had the cool, um, the cool wrappers on them with South Carolina yeah. and North Carolina. That's pretty right. Pretty cool stuff, man. They,
1: me. media got a waffle bar. I saw they did. That looked really good. No mayo on it, I don't think, but lots of uh, you know, chocolate and and syrup and all sorts of things. It
0: looked really good. Yeah, lots of fun stuff. Man, I think, I I tried to tell everybody bye on Tuesday for New Year's, but we had to do a show today, man. We absolutely had to after that. So, yeah, Happy New Year to everybody. Hopefully y'all got some cool plans for New Year's. I think I'm going by Hands today, so gonna go see our friends out there. Oh, yeah. Maybe watch the ball drop somewhere, but... Man, we again. I'll say it again. We appreciate the support all year long. We got a heck of a 2022 planned, man. For everybody,
1: Chris. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad you brought that up. It, and we're lots of questions coming. We we are going to have a good time at GamecockCentral.com in 2022. Really excited about the coverage we got coming. Some of the some of the stuff we got going on. It's going to be awesome. So appreciate everybody being along for the ride. Make sure you you buckle up and stay tuned ready to go in January.
0: Yeah. Be on the lookout next week. We, we got some stuff planned. yeah. Some awesome content. It's going to be fun. Um, yeah. Thanks again. All the support uh, does not go unnoticed. It's been fun to cover this program. This team season is over, but the content on GC live and of course on dot com and with Garnet trust, all that stuff does not, does not stop. In fact, it expands. So we're excited for that. For Chris, I'm Wes. We'll talk to you next week. Hope you all have a great new year, and uh, we'll see you then.